Hello and welcome to episode 164 of Effect. Power gaming is good for the soul. I'm Matthew. And I'm Dave. And as usual, we've got a action-packed show today with... Ooh, what have we got lined up? Well, we have our usual um, thank you to new patrons and obviously the standard thank you to all of our patrons but we've got a couple of new ones to introduce so that's brilliant um world of gaming there's a few things to talk about in world of gaming today and then we have the star of the show is matthew's defense of power gaming being a good thing which i'm not sure <laughs> i Are agree you not- with you're not sure you agree with? Well, you wait till you hear what I've got to say about power gaming. <laughs> you just wait, David Seamark. You just wait. Uh, yes, okay, fair enough, fair enough. I'm ready to... Um, well, that that kind of foreshadows you slagging me off, doesn't it, I think? In some way. It may do. No, I'm not, I'm not a power gamer. Well... Let us discuss that look, after my piece. I'm 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 not Andy Brick or Dave Webb or John Lerner or uh, any of the others who are power gamers. Mm, now that's gonna that's gonna actually, piss Andy off as well. <laughs> that's yeah. That's uh, remember he's one of our patrons. So even if we edit this out, he's gonna hear this. I know that was. And it was I'm kind actually going to in defence of power gamer. Uh, in defence of power gamers. Sorry, in defence of power gamers is my piece. Um, uh, in defence of Andy, I would say that he's not a power gamer. He's just a git. <laughs> I don't think. I don't yet- you had to say that when I'd just taken a sip of coffee because that was nearly all <laughs> over my computer. <laughs> uh, no, I, I'm going to... You know, so when we're talking about power gamers, we're talking about people that really optimise their character to be really good at generally one thing, generally combat. Their min-maxes might be another word for it. Yeah. Um, and to be fair, I don't think... Uh, Andy ever did that any more than any normal person does. What he did is he always went off on his own and did his own stuff. And yes, that is true. Didn't cooperate yeah. with the rest of the party, which is That's... why we've always said he's an adequate GM. And but but a terrible so, yeah. person to have as a player. So, so, so my comment might might have been been entirely entirely unfair, but it did allow me to get a, uh, a derogatory comment about Andy in early on the episode. So that's, yeah. that's all right then. Excellent. Excellent. So we've done that. Uh, Good. Andy, Tick. I hope you're listening. Uh, we've got that <laughs> bit out of the way. <laughs> he was a little bit disappointed when we had an episode where we didn't mention him once. So, um, <laughs> Well, I think next so, time, next time when one of us mentions it, the other one should just say, uh, Who? <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> right. Anyway, I hope you're well, Andy. I know he's going through a bit of a tough time at the moment. So, um, so yep. yeah. So, so we feel ashamed of yourself, we, we Dave, for we'd... bringing the whole thing up. So we, so we thought we'd give you a, a tougher time still. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just to remind you, no matter how bad it gets, we can make it worse for you, Andy. <laughs> yeah, you've still got us as your friends, if that helps. Yes. Now, uh, anyway. where are we? Where are we? Um, yeah, we're, we're, we're looking at uh, not just Andy, who, of course, is one of our uh, earliest and most generous patrons. Thank you very much, Andy. But uh, we get new patrons, and we have got two new patrons since last time. We have. And, and they uh, are... Here we go. Stefan Redayevich. Well done. Excellent. I think that's it. So welcome, Stefan. Even if Matthew can't pronounce your name, sorry about that. 
Yeah. Uh, no, I, I probably, I probably butchered it as well, actually. So. <laughs> and uh, but, we've also got uh, the lovely Jason Queer AF. Um, I think that might be a made-up name, Jason. That's her <laughs> name there. Uh, particularly because I know that you are actually the child of another one of our patrons, Thomas Bolton. So thank you. This is the first, yeah. like, multi-family um, uh, patronage we have here. Multi-family? We, yeah. No. Intra-family. Intra-family, yeah. Well, we do need to get everyone who's who's a patron to get all of their family members to become patrons too. But that's great. It's great to see you, Jason. We've um, we've had Jason on the show. He, we've he's been involved in um, the war stories thing that Thomas did, and obviously has been involved in Night Witches, which you guys were playing yesterday. Yeah, and yeah. They're, and, they're, and they're a great player, and it's fabulous to have Jason on board. It's brilliant. Yeah, thank you. Welcome, Stefan and Jason. Um, cool. Now, what have we got in the world of gaming? Well, I guess we start with uh, the, the sad news a couple of weeks ago, or yeah, nearly a couple of weeks ago now, isn't it, that um, Steve Perrin sadly died? You may have seen obituaries, listeners, of Steve Perrin, but uh, he was pretty much the bloke who put together the mechanics for... RuneQuest, which then, of course, became Superworld and Call of Cthulhu, and uh, what's nowadays Storm, known as basic role-playing. Storm, Stormbringer. Uh, Stormbringer, great games. Yeah, and also, um, and this is slightly more specialised, um, he was one of the kind of founding members of what's called the Society for Creative Anachronism. Mm-hmm. which is a group of reenactors who didn't want to be tied down to reenacting any one period. And so yeah. um, uh, they all get together. In a, and then they created, actually, before role-playing games, they effectively created live-action role-playing in a way, mm-hmm. in that they all give themselves great titles and every group is effectively a kind of province or country of a of a redrawn map of the world with with, yeah. um, with all the fun bits of history Um uh, uh, forefronted and all the crappy bits like the Black Death uh, hidden away in the background and everybody <laughs> has fun hitting each other with sticks. Um, so, not, And that was one of the reasons like. why the combat in RuneQuest is so simulationist because, um, you know, Steve Perrin came into it having been hitting people with sticks for some time uh, yeah. and so knew a little bit more than simply let's take this value in fighting versus this value in fighting. Yeah, and try to add a bit more actual fighting into it. Indeed, indeed. So, uh, yeah, sad news. Sad news that um, another one of the greats is gone. I guess, isn't it? The so, great um, old ones, yeah. Uh, but you know, uh, the, the, unlike Call of Cthulhu, the great old ones are not eternal. Uh, Sadly, and, uh, yes. So let's move on, shall we, to happier news? Yes, indeed. And we've got um, Kickstarters. Blood oh, off. yes. Yep. Yep. So, so uh, I think that's finished now, isn't it, Just It did. It finished last night at about yep, I thought so. 8 o'clock. So, yeah, as of recording, so this is, uh, we're, we're recording on Friday the 27th of August. So, uh, uh, obviously, it's too late to kick in for that now. So, do you know, how much did it get in the end? It did pretty well in, in all the various um, currencies. Uh, obviously, there will be an opportunity for late pledges when the, when the pledge manager yeah. comes up. So it's not necessarily too late. Um, but it did pretty well. Uh, it got um, 3,243,000 uh, uh, 
Swedish krona. So that's take um take a zero off that, and it comes out. So to it's be about, about yeah three hundred and twenty thousand um, pounds. Yeah, it's not um, bad, is it? Not so that's not bad. bad. But I think the really interesting thing is it got four thousand three hundred and thirty nine backers. Backers, which, yeah, which is more than the original Kickstarter for Forbidden Lands um, got. Well, I guess so, inevitably. I guess as, as, the, as the, the Forbidden Lands love spreads and people start to learn about it who haven't otherwise perhaps heard of free league games or, or any of these things before. Um, I'm not sure great. so inevitably, because very often if you look at a game where there's a core book involved, that gets a lot of support, and then the supplements don't generally get as much support in Kickstarter as the original ones. So I think this is, you know, this bucks that a little bit. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But I, w- I would I would argue that as as more people come to the world of Forbidden Lands, because, mm. I mean, you know, it's... I mean, Free League is, is getting bigger and bigger profile now, but yeah. um, still, there's a lot of gamers out there who've never heard of them. No, um, no, that is true. That is so, true. And, uh, yeah, so I think we should celebrate this growth. Um, I'm yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so it's I, great. I, so I'm expecting an extra thousand listeners to this podcast. <laughs> uh, spread the word. We know you're listening already because you're listening to us talking about you listening. But there's uh, must be at least four thousand uh, other Forbidden Lands players out there who haven't necessarily listened to this podcast. So, um, no. so spread the word, gentlemen. What we need ladies. to do is um, is 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 allow to advert, get, get free free league to let it advertise the podcast on their Kickstarters. Yeah, that but I the... do. I put it in the comments generally. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, how many people look down to the comments of a Kickstarter? Yeah, that's a problem. And of course, my comment disappears among in all the many uh, yeah. 841 all, comments they made on this. And, and all the others who are saying, listen to our podcast. No, 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 no. I'm just about the only one saying listen to our podcast. Although Doug yeah. might say listen to our YouTube stream. stream. Yeah. Bastard. <laughs> Doug's not a bastard. Doug's done some great stuff. Doug, and, Doug's uh, a great bloke. Great bloke. Yeah. Is, but if uh, we're going to slag Andy Brick off, we'd better slag Doug off as well. We want to. Oh, well, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> we want to be uh, equal access slagging off here at uh, at the Yvette podcast. Equal, equal opportunity bastards. That's what we are. That's what we are. Exactly. Yes. So I did, in the end, kick in for oh, Blood did March you? last time round. I was talking about whether I would or wouldn't. You were. Very persuasive, actually, and I mean, knowing me, it doesn't take much for me to kickstart something yeah. that I think it thinks going to be good. But You're I think easily persuaded, thing- Dave. Pardon? You're easily persuaded. Easily, yes. I am very, very. Um, what's the word? Uh, uh, compliant is that the right word? I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, I think I got no, you thing- to buy uh, Dune just by giving you the opportunity to just tell me why you weren't going to buy Dune. And you managed <laughs> yeah. to convince yourself to buy Dune. <laughs> Yeah, that is true. Yeah, as I said, I'm easily persuaded, even by myself, <laughs> to, to buy stuff. Um, but I think the thing that swung it for me was the uh, the Book of Beasts. Mm. So I think um, as a as a reference aid for for the GM, um, I think that's something you would want to have. And I mean, obviously, I've got Big to Reach as well. So having the Blood March is uh, is going to complete my you know ensure that my set remains complete, which is great. So. Um, yeah, I guess ultimately it was a bit of a no-brainer for me, actually. I'm not sure why I even resisted in the first place. 
Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I think I advised you last time we were on the show that you had to get the Book of Beasts, even if you didn't want to get the Blood March. Yeah. But you're right. You've got to be a completist. You've got to get everything, haven't you? Well, I think, you know, I'm, I, was never, I was never going to just get the Book of Beasts. I think if I was going to do it, I was going to go for both. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, one day when I've got a bit more time, um, I, would, I, will, I would love to run it. Um, well, you know, it's great fun to run. I'm so excited, uh, as as I will explain in my essay, actually, a little bit later <laughs> on. But genuinely, um, you know, I've, I've really, really enjoyed playing Coriolis every single week for the last 18 months. Um, we've never done so much gaming. I'm fully into Coriolis. Uh, we're getting to the last big adventure in Coriolis in a few weeks' time. Um uh, you know, I've got nothing against Coriolis here, but I'm missing um, Forbidden Lands. And I didn't realise how much I missed Forbidden Lands, actually, until this Kickstarter came out. Mm. Um, and then I really wanted to get back into that. Uh, you know, you've taken a hiatus on um, Alien the Colony. Yeah. And I, I almost said, right, I'll run Forbidden Lands every Thursday. Yeah, West because I have an idea for a West March's style Forbidden Lands, where everybody's part of a mercenary company, um, which is cool. wandering across the Forbidden Lands, and I might have done that, but but I didn't. I didn't. Mm. Although having said that, I mean we we did last week um, do a session zero for um, our friend and patron Dave Thompson's. Um, oh yes, burgeoning uh, Forbidden Lands supplement, or, or or it's a basically it's a new world. It really. will be an alternative. It won't be. Yeah. it won't be a Forbidden Lands supplement. No, no. Yeah. and that again reminded me as of how much I I love Forbidden Lands, and mm. yeah, I was even convinced in that to roll up a gnome, which is yes. unheard of. <laughs> I hate gnomes. I'm an I'm an old so World of Warcraft player, Dave. and having played World of Warcraft for many years. I just hate gnomes. I'm being totally gnomist here. Sorry to garden gnomes everywhere. but I don't um, imagine there are going to be many gnome fans out there calling you out on that one. No, maybe not. But anyway, so the, so the actual the fun of the Session Zero with all of us creating our characters together led me to bite the bullet and play a gnome. Excellent. But that's going to be... But that's great. I mean, that was really good fun. We will be doing that every other week but i think for the time being this is not something that we're streaming or anything um yes yeah this is very um, much a, a first play test of the system yeah absolutely so, um, but it's great and when it when it does come out we will be promoting it on here because um dave has done some excellent work actually on that i mean so that yeah the maps that he's done look professional um mm. they are absolutely brilliantly done there's so much new content. There are new kin. There are new paths of magic. There are new other paths. Uh, there are gods. There's oh, there's loads. There's absolute tons. Yes. It's, uh, there's clerics. It's going to be very, very good indeed. Yeah. Very good. I'm playing an orc, a blessed, which is a kind of cleric, and um, I'm already having great fun thinking about that. Except uh, I haven't been told orc, off for your. He's not an orc. He's an uruk. Having yeah, the but the having been told off for your choice of names though, I have not been told off my choice of names. <laughs> I said to everybody, "Are you comfortable with this name?" And one of the other players said, "On no. consideration, no, I'm not comfortable no. with this name." And did you see the amazing coincidence of um, of the name of the I've name chosen? that you chose? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, which means yeah. something in Swedish that is appropriate. So that's great, and I didn't even know that. And it's not rude, so even better. It, it's not rude. Well, yeah, 
you know me, I do like rude names, but uh, there we go. I can live with that. Anyway. That, that, that choice of name did take me somewhat by surprise. I thought that was a bit much, even for you, frankly. Well, yeah, so did so, I, um, which is why I said, listen, guys, I've come up with it. But it was the first thing, literally the first thing I wrote as soon as I knew I was an orc. It just came out of my pen. <laughs> So I'm very pleased, actually, that Toby uh, raised his hand and said, let's change this. Because I totally, <laughs> I actually totally agree with him. So, <laughs> yes. What I loved, it, I loved about Toby is that I don't think I can have that name and stay married. <laughs> yeah, we can't, can't use that name. No, exactly. Which is fine. It's absolutely fair enough. Absolutely fine. Um, that's what, that's yeah. great. Uh, some people accused me of bowing to peer pressure. But no, I, I knew at the time that this was going to be a controversial thing. And maybe... Yeah, and- you know, and again, the games the games are all about inclusion. If there's something that any of our players or, or GMs isn't happy with, then we absolutely want them to raise it and yeah. make the games comfortable and fun for everybody rather than having somebody not speak up and either hate the game or drop out of the game or cringe every time that bit of the game comes up. We don't want that at all. New Kickstarter coming up or um, out already, is it? Uh, you're talking about Collateral? Yes. Yes, that is out, I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, so Nightfall Games, I don't know much about it, actually. Um, have kickstarted or are kickstarting um, this game, Collateral, which is it a supplement to the original Slay Industries? Well, it's a supplement game. to the second edition of Slay Industries. Is it? Right, um, okay. And I'm very pleased because for years I have thought, is it Slay Industries or is it SLA Industries? And they very clearly say at the beginning of this Kickstarter, first paragraph, pronounce Slay Industries. So thank you, uh, Nightfall Games, for clearing that up. After only, what, 20-odd years of um, obfuscating (laughs) that? Um, So, yeah, so it's a supplement of uh, Slay Industries. But I think one of the key things uh, that uh, Noble, who's one of our patrons, wanted to point out, is that you can get a completist bundle there. So if, you, uh, if you've if you not been into Slay Industries before, uh, there, this is a good way of, of um, getting the core book as well as the supplement collateral, yeah. uh, collateral. I think there might be two. Let me have a look. There are two. So you've got collateral and there's a species guide mm. that comes with it as well. So It's uh, a bit like the Book of Beasts and Blood March, isn't it? Yeah. I guess, in a way. And I'd say they do, they do look... Lovely. The actual the artwork is quite striking, um, but it looks very very good. Um, so I've never played uh, uh, an S five S game. I obviously I've read the the rules for the quick start rules for Terminator and had a lovely chat with um, Jared Earl from Nightfall at UK Games Expo, which is a real pleasure um, to meet him for the first time. And he um, he gave me the quick start of Slay, and I had a quick read of those as well. Um, so, but I've never played. Uh, a five S five system game, um, but I've heard. I mean, I mean, I guess the thing the thing that I've really heard about Slay Industries is how good the the world is and how uh, yeah some of our some of our our patrons say it's you know for them it's the best um, environment and world that they've they've ever played, um, which is. Which is pretty high praise, actually, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, those patrons also say that the the system is... um, I'm just trying to be polite here, but I'm failing. It may be the worst system they've ever played. (laughs) Okay, that's a bit... That's a low blow. 
um, so yeah, I I don't think we can judge because we haven't uh, tried no, playing no, it. I haven't um, played it. No. But uh, yeah, maybe not the worst system. I'm sure there are worse systems there. Oh, but come apparently some pretty... there's a lot of house ruling in in uh, Slay Industries campaigns. Right. I guess you know a lot of games have a lot of house ruling. Um, but yeah, so I as I said, I haven't played the actual system, so it would be interesting to give it a try and see how it, how it plays out. Um, but collateral. So as of time of recording, 27th of August. There are 20 days to go, and they've already tripled their their target. So they've they've got 31,000 pounds so far of a 10,000 pound goal, with nearly 600 backers, uh, and 20 days to go. So if you're if you're a Slay Industries fan or you're interested in giving it a look, um, particularly like you said, if uh, if if you're able to 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 sort of backfill on the previous through the pledge as well, that would be. That would be pretty convenient, wouldn't it? So you could get yeah. everything you wanted. Uh, so that is um, uh, the straight out of Mini, or Benny, Mini, I don't know, um, which I guess might be something that people know if they've played the game before. Yeah. Uh, if you're uh, new to Slay Industries, a starting operative just graduated from Mini and heading into Mort City for your first BPN. I'm sure this all makes sense to people who know about it, but actually <laughs> you're writing to people who don't know about it because you're new to Slay Industries. That's what you say in your first paragraph. Sorry, I'm giving you a hard time here, but but bloody hell you deserve it. <laughs> I have no idea what BPN is. This is the pledge for you. It contains the core rulebook, a GM screen with pullouts, both new source books, a set of ten of six ten-sided dice. I was going to say ten six-sided dice, but that would have been a different game entirely. <laughs> and a limited edition blue BPN coin, which is a Kickstarter exclusive. I like it when you get a thing in a Kickstarter you don't get anywhere else. Yeah. Um, the pledge yes. lets you the items listed below plus. Oh, sorry, that, that gets into boring stuff. Yeah. So that's a hundred pounds of English money, or the equivalent in your currency wherever you are. And um, you get you seem to get quite a lot for that though, so I think yeah. that's uh, that's that's pretty good value actually. It looks to me. I think it looks like quite a good value pledge. I'm not sure you could go into retail and get all of. Well, obviously you can't get all of it. Cause some of it's Kickstarter, but I don't think you could get the, the you know the core book and stuff like that for no um, a comparable price. Cool. Well, so yeah, check well, that stuff. out. So there you we go. Might yeah. be, if you've been talking to uh, the guy who runs Nightfall Games, I expect we might be talking about um, some of their stuff some more in the future. Hey, mm. absolutely. Yeah, we could. Uh, we could. Uh, we could. Could invite them on. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've got. A, I'm. I'm backing up. I've got a big list of That's interviews true. to do. Though we so do have a lot of interviews. Maybe this will be a 2022 thing rather than. An, uh, but we, Possibly, we shall yeah. see. But uh, cool. yeah. Yeah, but yeah. So if you're interested, go to Kickstarter and have a look, folks. Oh, war stories. So, yes. So, um, so uh, you know more about this than me, Dave. So you tell me about war stories. Yeah, I was just going to say that for those who are interested, the um, version four playtest rules have been put out on the Facebook playtesters group. So if you are interested, um, come along to the. Uh, uh, the War Stories group on Facebook and put in a request to be a playtester uh, and you can then get access to that stuff. So we're quite a long way through the process now. The The rules are, 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 are they're not set, but they are the, the framework of the rules is pretty much there. There will be some tweaking, I'm sure, um, but we will need to do around it. 
But we're looking at um, either a sort of late quarter three or quarter four um, for this to be to be ready. Quite what that means in terms of um, what Alex plans to do around either Kickstarter or pre-ordering, I'm not a hundred percent sure. But they're certainly looking at doing something either late this summer or early in the autumn um, about getting that going. I'm busy trying to finish off the campaign, which is great fun. Um, and uh, I say I've got a bit of a deadline to get that done pretty much in the next few days. So I'm going to be quite busy this weekend. But uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's going well. And there's quite a lot of interest out there already on Facebook. So if anybody does want to to get involved, then come along to the Facebook page and uh, and get involved with the conversation. Yeah, we should, I guess, specify that there is a sort of open access Facebook page that anybody can join. Yes. Uh, I mean, I'm sure you have to apply you know, to join and, and they answer questions to make sure you're not a bot or whatever. But then there is also a... Uh, War Stories um, playtesters play. yeah, Facebook exactly. group yeah. as well. <clears throat> so get into the main one first and then um, ask if you can get into the playtesters one. Yep. And that's the one that's got access to the fourth edition rules. Indeed, yeah. Cool. Are we cool. done with the world of gaming? I, I think we probably are. Yeah, cool. yeah, I think we probably are. So um, it's time to move on to my, um, my defense of power gamers. Power gaming. I am excited about Forbidden Lands. First of all, of course, we have the Book of Beasts and the Blood March expansions coming up. I also finally got round to editing the last session of our home game, which we recorded on our gaming retreat last year, as October became November, just before the second lockdown started. Not only that, but we have finally found a date for another home game, Face to Face, in the middle of October, and I'm going to run Forbidden Lands again after almost a year. And a month after that, we'll be on retreat again, so I'm hoping to run two sessions of Forbidden Lands that are less than a year apart. Hallelujah! Or praise the icons. Um, no. Um... Uh, the raven has shown the way. Don't get me wrong. I have enjoyed playing Coriolis every week for over a year, but I am looking at Forbidden Lands like, well, like a PC with no water resource left looks upon a whirl. I am full of excitement and planning the next adventure. And I have a few ideas, which I'm not going to divulge in this episode. You will have to wait until after I have run it. What I wanted to discuss today is about Forbidden Lands, but sparked by a letter I heard on another podcast from a GM who had a problem player. This wasn't in Forbidden Lands. I can't recall what system it was. I assume it was D&D. But the player in question had taken a number of um, feats, edges, talents that made the character pretty much invulnerable. The GM was thinking about ways he could undermine the player's choices and make the PC weaker, and it made me think. It made me think about Dave. You see, I think Dave is a bit of a power gamer. 
Dave's character, Tengrail the Red Sword, an elf, has rank two in Path of the Shield, which means that every time he parries, he can spend a willpower point to make it a free action. And as he also has Sword Fighter, he's pretty good at parrying. He is not invulnerable, but sometimes it feels like he is. The Power Gamer's side of Dave's personality is exposed when Dave discovers a vulnerability. In one of our early adventures, a demon struck the party with a fear attack. This had Dave worried, as Tangrail can't parry such attacks, and with an empathy of only two, he could be easily broken by one. So, with some urgency, he spent his experience points on the fearless talent to make sure he was not as vulnerable. Now, because we get to play Forbidden Lands so infrequently, he and the others have not had a chance to earn very many experience points, and he's not Superman yet. But as I listened to this GM's concern about his player's character, I wondered whether power gamers and min-maxers should be considered a problem. You see, I don't think Dave is a problem. Maybe I should rephrase that. I don't think Dave's character, Tengrail, is a problem. Of course, Dave is, but he's my co-host. What could you do? By developing Tengrail the way he is, Dave is giving me easy-to-read signals about the sort of story he wants to play. In this cursed world of rogues and raiders, he wants to be that rare thing, a hero. I can work with that, though this isn't a promise to make him a hero, as it's a cursed world after all. Listeners to the actual play will have heard his anger when the orc Emperor Hrocker refused to call him friend. When game masters complain about power gamers, they usually have similar issues. The first is often that the monsters of the world present no threat to such a character. Sometimes GMs express it slightly differently, that adventurers will hold no challenge for the character. More pertinently, they worry about power gamers taking spotlight time away from the other players. On Monsters, I don't think there is an encounter yet that has proved a pushover for Tengrail. I'm pretty sure Dave has felt more than once that his character might be in mortal danger. He and the others have learned to run away from many of them. Okay, we haven't played very much and the PCs don't have much experience, but the only time Tengrail has defeated a threat more easily than I expected was when he faced off against Hrocker's champion, Ult, and struck him down in one round of advanced combat. It may be that if Dave spends his experience points well, he may soon make Tengrail properly invulnerable. But is that a bad thing? It means only that combat won't take as long. And surely that's a good thing. Having a highly effective combat character only becomes a problem when that character's player starts getting bored with combat. On challenge, well, Tengrail may not be challenged by the likes of Ult, but there are many other things that will challenge him. Skills that he does not possess that might be tested, or objectives he cannot achieve through combat. Dave has already expressed frustration that his character is not getting rich quickly enough, so that's just one of his challenges. 
Earning praise from the Emperor Hrokka turned out to be more challenging than he thought, too. And sometimes sorcerers will prove challenging, like the young-looking necromancer that was able to magically grasp the elf's heart and squeeze. The more valid complaint is about such a character taking spotlight time away from the other characters. Given that, for those who've listened to the very last episode of A Ruby for Crocker, Gorma and Isambold had very little to do while Tengrail mashed Alt, it is my biggest concern. But that's on me as the GM. I have to think of all my players' characters, their hopes and ambitions, and give them challenges and storylines that match their builds too. That might mean sneaking challenges for the Goblin, and trading challenges for the Halfling Peddler. So in the last session, after sessions involving trade and sneaking, the focus was on combat, yes, but thanks to Tengrail's abilities, the combats lasted only long enough to entertain and not to bore any of us. And indeed, the first, with the Ent, Clotinda, presented enough of a challenge for Dave to think that Tengrail might be in mortal danger. In the next session, maybe combat will take a backseat to trade and another character will get a chance to shine. So, Game Masters, celebrate your power gamers and min-maxers. They make your job easier and more fun. Don't waste time trying to think of ever more deadly opponents for them or ways to nerf their powers. It's only a problem if the other players are getting bored. And when it's that sort of problem, have a proper grown-up conversation about it, out of game time. Devoting all your GM energy nerfing or trying to kill the power gamer's character only focuses the spotlight on the problem player. The other players don't want to watch a power struggle between you and the power gamer. They want you to turn to them and give them fun things to do. Well, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> No, I no don't really it's in defence think... of power gamers like you. I'm not a power gamer. I'd like, <laughs> I'd like to. So, well, okay, that was that was a very interesting essay and very entertaining, and um, it's raised lots of issues. So, first things first, I would say that in playing Ten Grail, I don't, I haven't for a second considered considered myself to be in any way power gaming. <laughs> now. Now let me explain. So right, yeah, I, I, think, okay. I, think, let, let, I think let us sit in the court of public opinion here, and <clears throat> uh, our audience can judge. But uh, yes. make your case with Tengrail. Um, oh, okay. Actually, with with power gamers. So I, I I see in my mind a power gamer is is someone who makes themselves more powerful over the other players and puts himself in the position of being the fulcrum around which the rest of the group has to work. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think in... Yeah, and is the character that can just kill her with one swipe. Now, in my defence, with Tengrail, I took a specific choice, a role-playing choice, that because of his... Um, uh, his... One of his background things is... I'll never desert a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because your, of, um, your pride, I think. Yeah, it is, isn't it? because because of his history, um, having been the only survivor of his 
unit that he commanded. So mm. because of that, I decided to make him someone who could protect the others. And that is basically means I've put my my a lot of my my experience into defensive capabilities. So he's very, very good with a sword and shield at parrying and defending, um, as you mentioned in the thing. I, mm-hmm. I haven't so much put so many... I don't think I've put anything in offensive combat capabilities that he didn't have as a starting warrior. So well, I guess your second... Um... Your, your second rank in the sword, so I think that does give you... Or maybe that one. Okay, maybe that one. Um, but I think that gives me the parry rather than anything else, doesn't it? So The I first think I... rank definitely gives you the parry. I was looking this up just so I could be sure. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll find it. I have the book here. So, me. yeah. So yeah, I, first so rank think... gives you the plus one on your parry and your attack rolls, actually. Yeah. Um, and your second rank means you can slash two enemies in the same that's action. It. Right, okay. So that's purely offensive. So I have done one offensive thing, but the majority of my stuff has been around part of the shield. Yeah. And being able to defend and you know improving my shield abilities, which makes me a tank. I can soak up the hits. Um, but I think the, so. That there's, I think power gaming and min maxing isn't just about the rules and the mechanic. It's about the way you role play it, and. I still strongly feel the vulnerability of Ten Grail. So we've had more than one occasion where we've run away from an enemy because we couldn't beat it, or we thought oh, we couldn't absolutely. beat it. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Um, and I don't think a power gamer does that. I think a power gamer makes them, I could defeat anything, oh! uh, you know. And that was a random thing. You didn't put in that that Death Knight is the particular thing I'm thinking of. You yes. didn't choose to put that in to teach us a lesson. That no. was a random roll on the table that came up that way and we learnt our lesson thanks to the way the random roll came out and the encounter we came across and, yeah, our and even the demon our, that I referred to our, in the article with the fear attack that was a random roll as well you know that wasn't chosen I didn't sit there going hmm how could I defeat uh, Tengrail with a fear attack yeah um, I think I think the necromancer whose heart I, I, I was looking through spells that he might have and um, well he thought, nearly killed me yeah, I thought, and that one I did go, oh, that would be an interesting uh, yeah. uh, attack for a bloke who like can parry pretty much everything. So I did choose that yeah. one. But yeah. everything else that, pretty much is random. And that's fine. So I think that my, my key points are that, that my choices have been made on a role-playing basis because mm-hmm. he wants to be able to protect Gorma and he wants to be able to protect Isambold. And the only way he can do that is by getting in front of them and blocking all the blows that come in their way, putting himself in danger. Um, but also there's a real sense of vulnerability in him and he, he is very vulnerable in certain certain areas. And that fight in the last um, in the last scenario against uh, Haraka's champion, particularly when we went to um, to using the advanced rules for the first time, I was I was concerned that I was going to get killed. I was mm. genuinely worried about the outcome of that fight. Because, yes, I'm very good at parrying stuff, but, you know, if I fail one of those rolls or I run out of willpower, um, then I'm pretty damn vulnerable. So I was I was very surprised how easily I won that fight. Um, yeah, I, it's interesting. I've got a... Uh, so I've been, I've been editing that. That, in fact, is <clears throat> an episode that, as we record this, came out today. 
uh, on our AP stream. And I'd be interested if more experienced people, users of the advanced system, might listen to that and go, oh, you did that wrong. Yes. I don't think I did. I don't think I did, though. And, um, you know, you had the advantage of a better initiative card and slaughtered him pretty yeah. much. Um, so but well I hadn't done. expected that in the slightest. That no. was a real surprise outcome, that was. Because mm. uh, it's a bit like, I remember um, in the um, Song of Ice and Fire campaign that I ran with Andy's character, um, Sir Amhar, when I yeah. finally manoeuvred him into the duel with the mountain. With the actual mountain, yeah. Yeah, I could see, I could see the look on Andy's face. The blood went out of his face because he thought, <laughs> fuck, I'm dead. Um, and But he actually won the fight relatively easily even though it was quite attritional mm-hmm. there's was, there was a lot of defense going on in the fight and it the balance halfway through the fight swung in his favor and it, it was never going to swing back once he got his got ahead um so again it's a similar a similar kind of thing um so so i guess yeah in my defense i'm not choosing uh these skills because i want tengrel to be the most powerful warrior and uh, the whole world to revolve around him I'm choosing them because he wants to make sure his friends don't get killed. And also, yeah. I'm, I'm role-playing him that way. So when we had that Death Knight thing, I basically stood in front of them and told the others to run whilst I was holding While them off. While you held him off. Which, of course, and you they... could do because of the power skills. Uh, power yeah, skills but, but then I had to run as well. And it was yeah. the Death Knight plus three of his minions and me. Two of so his I, minions? So don't, again, don't, in, don't embellish did, the story anymore, Dave. Did we kill... Did, there were three minions, though. I think, did we kill one of them? Well, uh, well, I know we certainly started. We certainly started time, fighting. I maybe I didn't. Maybe I didn't kill one, but hit them. We certainly started fighting, but then very quickly realised that this wasn't going to end well. Yeah. And so in so in that situation, yes, I had the skills to defend and let the others get away, but still, I then had to get away. So yeah, you know, I, in role playing terms, I was putting Tengrel into a position where I had a a concern that there was a significant chance he was going to get killed. Yeah. And that's the fun of it, you know, because if he had died at that moment, I'd have been disappointed because obviously I love the character, but that was in character. That's, that's what the risk you've got to do, yeah. That's what and he was there to do, yeah. One of the things I really love about Forbidden Lands is, you know, you have only got, you know, three, four, five, maybe six hit points. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, a decent blow... Uh, from anybody can get rid of three of those like that or more. Yes. Um, so as a player, you are aware, and not just you, all the players are aware that they might die with one decent strike from yeah. somebody like that Death Knight. Yeah, uh, exactly. And I think that changes the way we all play uh, because, uh, and, and, and not only that, of course, if you, if you take damage, uh, you are not as good at dealing it as you were yeah. before you took yeah. the damage as well. So I think the other thing I would mention there as well is that in that fight, I, I, I had quite a lot of willpower stored up and I burned through it really fast. Mm. So, so if that fight lasted another couple of rounds, my, my, my ability to defend myself would massively reduce. So it is reliant upon having enough willpower to be able to use those abilities. Yeah. Um, and so therefore... I could hold people off for a certain amount of time, but the time will come where I just get overwhelmed. Um, no. The other, th- the other thing I'd point out was the kind of the standard joke that we had in every fight we were fighting, like the one we did against the Griffin earlier on in the campaign, was that <laughs> I couldn't hit him for fuck, 
And I was just beating him up. And then Tony came along and whacked him with his axe and killed him. So who, who's the power gamer there then? Because I can't kill him. But the bloody halfling comes along with his little stick and kills them. So, you know, so I think, uh, you know, let's get the balance right here. But I think the yeah, other thing I- that I'd say... Sorry, go on. Sorry, no, I was going to say, I think this is particularly in mind, and I've accused you of being a power gamer only because of that last session. And this is actually, uh, to be fair, um, you did want to involve the others in the fight with Alt, and I wouldn't let you because I wanted to try the advanced combat rules. Yeah. Uh, so Yes, um, and I was I was very conscious at the time of actually, oh, well, this, this half an hour is going to be really boring for them because they've got nothing to do. Hmm. Um, whereas actually the fight happened quite quickly and I think they were both interested in seeing how the advanced combat rules worked so yeah. it wasn't it wasn't like they were twiddling their thumbs waiting no you know, and, waiting and for it was us only to get a bit a, of the story out of the way around you know I would have I would have they they could have had an action where they would have attempted to do something I'm sure and I would have sent some minion orcs to stop them um but they didn't get that far because you killed him so easily. <laughs> yeah. Which is well, which was great. And you know, lucky dice rolls and particularly a lucky draw of the card, so you got initiative. Uh, nothing wrong in the way that story plays out. I'd, I'd be interested to, to to listen to that again actually and remind myself how lucky my role was. Was it was it just a lot of luck that led me to do that, or was it hmm. actually something that I would expect to happen fairly regularly under the same circumstances? So again, that would be an indicator of, you know, was that was the outcome an outlier or was it what I should expect? Because then if it was what I should expect, that makes me a bit, that makes the character a bit more of a, a min-maxed character in that sense. Yeah. Now I don't, so again, I, uh, my recollection, I can't actually remember the damage you dealt, but I think it was pretty good. I think you got four successes or something. So that's, that's, that's not a bad role. Though, not is bad, is it? Um, but I think real the real luck was in the initiative draw. I think going first, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And as I say, I'm not entirely sure whether I then applied that initiative in the way it should have been applied in the advanced rules. And I do keep meaning to sort of listen to it again with the rule book open and see did I did mm. I do this right? Yeah, um, but uh, I haven't had the time to do that. So it might have been a screw up on my part as a GM, but it. It told a good story. It I did. love the idea of this apparently scary champion facing up to you and you just mashing him. That was fine. <laughs> and then, you know, that, you know, and that is my defence. Uh, even even if you won't take the mantle of a power gamer and wear it proudly, this <laughs> is why I think power gamers can be good in a game for a scene like that. You know, if you if you imagine uh, you haven't read any of the the first law books by Joe Abercrombie, but. Um, uh, Logan Ninefingers is a character who will win a fight pretty much. Yeah. You know, every time you do it, then against all sorts of things, he will win that fight. He's only one of the characters in that book. And uh, I think he's probably, you know, he's a fan favorite character, but he doesn't get more book time. And, you know, you don't, no. you don't have whole novels of him fighting loads of people and winning, which would be boring. You know, mm. there are other things he's not so good at, and um, and that shows. Yeah. So um, I think there's two other things I'd say about that. One, I think if we if we if we'd gone into that encounter and that fight with me knowing that there was no chance that I was going to lose, then that's a that's power gamed. Yeah. You know, because I went into it seriously worried that this was going to be the end of my character, and maybe I'd been a bit over bravadoed. 
you know, in the situation of getting so angry about the way they'd treated us after what we'd done for them. Um, and I've had other characters die for that. So I, my, my, my character in Tony's Star Trek campaign, Captain Sulu, the great, mm. the grandson of, of, of the great Sulu, um, got very angry with a bunch of Klingons and challenged them to a duel one-to-one and got killed, got a knife shoved through my chest <laughs> and he died. So, uh, you know, I, um, I, I, I guess I have a, as a player, I have a history of making a stand and then it not always turning out terribly well. So in that situation, I was not, I was, I was unconvinced I was going to come out of that unscathed. Um, mm. And then the other thing I was just going to say, a bit more of a, bro- a broader point, I think the the worst element of, of a person that you would call a power gamer is their attempts to gain power over the other players. And mm. we've we had a long period, a long period. We had a period back when we were in our sort of, I guess, late tw- late teens, early twenties, where we had a few couple of players in our group that would do that, particularly <laughs> in, tra- in traveler games. And I guess this is where my my unfounded and uh, yeah unsubstantiated accusation against Andy came from early on, and it was wrong because the people that there were a couple of people in our group who were like that, yeah. and who were then out of game work on plans and plots and traps and stuff to to make sure yes. the other players were going to be in their thrall at some point or another. I'm and thinking particularly about John, who, you know, the first thing we'd do is we got our crew together and, you know, got our ship. And he'd the first thing he'd do is, right, I want to change the security systems of, of the ship so that on my code word, everybody's get, you know, gets locked out of controlling any aspect of the ship until they do what I say. Yeah, um, exactly. That, yeah. Was, that was his style of play, wasn't it? Yes. Although it didn't do him any favours. I remember him being blown up with a grenade in a car yes. that everybody else left. I remember my <laughs> character when I was away. Andy, Andy might be a power GM here because my character in that game was pretty much good at shooting. He had something ridiculous for Traveller like level five in pistol. Uh, and uh, the drug slow, which made him move really quickly. And yeah. I remember at some point in one of uh, John's frequent attempts to take over the ship, Andy, as GM, just had me turn around from the pilot's chair and shoot him when I wasn't even there to play the game. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, Dave, Dave often got killed <laughs> as a reward for his power gaming. Yes, no, that's true. Um, John, I mean. Um, John. Well, and Dave did as well. Yes. But um, it, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, it's uh, we don't we don't have that anymore. I think probably everybody no. goes through that kind of thing, and maybe the itch to play like that is scratched by things like you know alien one shots and those kind of games, where you do get to be nasty to your fellow players, but it's yeah. all part of the fun. It's not part of you. Is there a deeper thing about and maybe you know this ties power gaming and that sort of behaviour? Well, sorry, this times. Uh, this ties min-maxing and that sort of behaviour, as you were saying. Uh, is there a thing about, I want to be the protagonist of this story and I want everybody else to be the supporting cast? I think there's definitely something about that. Yeah, I think the the worst power gamers are trying to get, the, like I said earlier, they're trying to become the fulcrum around the rest, the, you know, around which the rest of the group has to, has to work. Um, yeah, and you know that. Uh, I mean, there are some games where that 
there is a risk of that inherent in the game itself because one of the characters is going to be in a position of authority. So, mm. say for Coriolis, you might have the captain of the ship, um, or Star Trek, particularly you know, the captain of the ship. Um, in others, there might be I don't know. Uh, it might be designed in the way or designed that the group might turn out that one of them is in a position of authority over the other. Take for example, Emily's character in um, Your Verson with yes. mine because I'm her butler. So, uh, but actually, the way the players play it. You can play out that relationship without it stifling or stymieing any player's uh, sort of latitude for role playing or or latitude for their own agency in doing something. Because I think yeah. um, I think there's a difference though between authority and being the protagonist of the story. Because we think of a lot of the characters yeah. we've played where there's been an authority structure that hasn't made them the automatic protagonist. So Tony, no, that's true. When he was Prince of, um, I can't remember. House Orca. House Orca. Oh, yeah. Um, the, the, he was not by any means the, the you know, I mean, no. we, we were equal in our protagonism. Uh, yes. As, yeah. uh, and in fact, he wasn't very authoritarian either. Um, Emily, as you say, in Vason, um, even, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't feel you as effectively captain of your ship in... Uh, Coriolis, you don't have any particular authority over your um, your co-detective uh, Yakub. No, I don't think the ship in in certainly in that campaign carries any authority whatsoever. It's just a mm. means of transport. Yeah, just like so, just like I own, I own the car kind of thing. And whereas you could argue that in the original series of Star Trek, Kirk was. You can argue that Kirk was the main protagonist, and Spock and um, Spock and Bones were two sides of his id and ego. But um, but in the later series, it's very much ensemble, and yes, you know, yeah. they made the point in the early Next Generation when the captain wanted to go off and say, "Right, I'm being the captain, and I'm also going to do the adventure on the planet." And the first officer said, uh, effectively, "No, no, 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 captain stays on the ship." Yeah. Any adventuring to be done on the planet, that's done by me. Um, so, yeah. uh, although, of course, Picard throughout the later series then did take more and more of an action role as well. Um, but anyway, that's by the by. Um, okay, let's just touch on one thing, though, about uh, screen time, as it were, which I think could be the, or spotlight time, you might call it in role-playing. Mm. Um, so one of the ways in which power gamers limit their spotlight time is by generally being only good at one or two things so in a game like D&D where there's a lot of fighting a power gamer may get more scream time because you know he gets all the extra moves and as many yeah. parries as he wants <laughs> stuff like that um, so he's rolling the dice more and you know and killing more people but actually of course in Forbidden Lands um, although in the last couple of episodes I've editing, there was quite a lot of fighting and maybe if I analyse that, there'd be more of your voice than any of the others. That was only those last couple of episodes and before that, there was all sorts of stuff going on where other people had spotlight time. Yeah, but I'm and, that story, in... and that story particularly was building up to that confrontation, that conflict, wasn't it? So well, that was yeah, kind of or the, yes the and of, no. In the the, end... 
we didn't even know that that conflict was necessarily going to happen. That's what I love about Forbidden Lands is, you know, you went out there to make peace initially. You and Tony yeah. went out there to make peace. And um, just the way the dice rolls fell, well, actually the way I interpreted the rules is the the elves kind of did stand down, but Katinda, who was working as a monster, didn't. Um, you yeah. couldn't reason with her. Um, so that wasn't planned. And then, you know... I, I had that throwaway line where I thought, oh, we're, I'm, I'm not entirely convinced this orc is going to call you friends because of years of um, subjugation <laughs> of the orc. And, you know, I thought you were going to walk away in disgust, but but no, you got really angry. <laughs> and so I just threw in that um, that fight with the champion. Uh, I wasn't expecting that at all. And it no. was great, you know, that that happened. I love the way that story, I love the way that all ended. Um, uh, I love your anger. <laughs> um, I'll have to listen to it again. Yeah, uh, you know uh, it's interesting if you listen to the middle episode, not the most recent one, not today's one, but the one that happened last week. You can kind of see you going, hmm, hmm, bit miffed about that. I'm going to tell him before I walk away, and then no, actually, I'm really angry about that. <laughs> mm. uh, so that was that was great fun to listen to. Um, but okay, so just come back to. Uh, your current uh, character in the Coriolis campaign that we're streaming. Yeah, you're very good at fighting again in that one. Not so much defensive. You're, you know, you have a reputation for being full auto Ossian. Um, but, but that that is after eighteen oh, yeah. months. Eighteen months of gaming, and when when I created the character in the first instance, I deliberately didn't make him very good at combat. Because yeah. he was a, he was a private investigator, I didn't expect him to get into too many fights. Now the the campaign has involved a fair amount of fighting, and we've been hurt and nearly killed. And Nora, you know, our friend was killed, and and I've just it's been a development because I've realised that oh unless, absolutely, and I'm not unless I could defend myself in that regard. Um, unless I could defend myself, I am. Me and me and Yakub are going to get killed, and then it came into the whole the hidden conditioning from Alarm's Temple, which is now coming through as part of the the background of the character. Um, mm. So, it, in one sense, you could argue that the character was always going to become a combat character, but that idea of the Alarm's Temple conditioning only came to mind what six months yeah, ago. Yeah, no, so I, after I, after a year of playing. Um, I'm not accusing you of power gaming in that one because, as you say, you know, that's stuff where you've reacted to the circumstance. And also, had we more players in that campaign and we had some combat bunnies in that game, you might never have considered it because there might have been another player who was the combat bunny. But no, what I was going to say, though, is more recently, um, and this this is... So my advice was to say if people are stealing too much um, uh, actual sort of game time from the other players, spotlight time... You should have a you know a quiet word with them outside game time. Now, yeah. instead of a quiet word, I'm going to have this very public word with you. So my other advice is start a podcast and then take your problem player as co-host and then uh, embarrass him in front of all your listeners. <laughs> so just, <laughs> just recently, there has been a tendency for you to do a lot of smart talking and fast talking as well, which is not your strength. Uh, and yet you're still doing it. And um, I keep making you do manipulation roles because yeah. because that's Tony's thing and Tony's not getting a chance of doing that. 
So that is actually probably closer to my definition of power gaming and the problems with power gaming than anything that Tengrail's ever done. But I'm not accusing you of doing wrong there because I think, partly because we're doing that online as opposed to around a table and partly because we're streaming it and you know there are people listening, I think you're feeling... Because Tony's a more reflective player generally. So Tony, frankly, thinks before he speaks, unlike you <laughs> or me. <laughs> That's good, it's good that I, one I, of us does. I think that might be you, Dave, filling in the silence there because the game's going. What, what's your impression? I think there is a bit of that. Yeah, I think I mean, Tony and I are quite different in the way we approach the game. But I, I do absolutely recognise that I can be quite forward in you know my ideas and my my thinking and putting my thoughts uh, and suggestions forward. I've said kind of more than once. I think to you, certainly in Verson, that I I sometimes have to restrain myself because I have all these ideas, but I, mm. I I kind of suddenly feel like I'm monopolising too much of the airtime. Uh, but again, I guess I mean it, it, I think it's different over the over the web on on Zoom and stuff mm. um, because around a table it's easier to get that kind of sense of other people and what's going on. It's easier to to draw it people yeah, into it definitely doesn't feel like it's a thing you do around the table at all. At um, but I think so. Yeah, I, I certainly remember saying to you, "Look, yeah, if I'm if I'm being a bit too forward, then give me a nudge and tell me to shut up." Yes. When we're particularly if we're playing with people that we don't know very well. So, like the first time we played Verson, where I hadn't played with um, certainly Emily and Tom before, and I might mm. have only played with Millie once or twice or something. Um, it might be very difficult for somebody else to say, "Shut up, Dave." <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, so, yes. but I think, I'm, but I think I'm like that though, because I, I, I kind of remember going back all oh, to when I was a teenager. Well, Andy Brick will remember this when we had the Exius and Terra mm. D and D campaign. Um, you do get players who are a bit more forward and front-footed, and I was definitely one of those out of our group there. So I, uh I don't know. Maybe yeah. There's there's something about me that I, I'm 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 very happy to get involved and take the lead a little bit, um, but I just need to make sure that in doing that I'm not stopping others having the opportunity to do the same. Yeah, but I, I mean, I think, I, I think I think your conceit in Vaison of being the butler was a great choice because, of course, that does immediately have you deferring to another player, at least one other player, if yeah. not all the other players. Even if you have a clever idea and you say, uh, if I may take the liberty, ma'am, why don't we do this? But you're kind of then saying to the other players, okay, I'm going to put a suggestion on the table. But, you know, you guys have got to do something about it. Um, yeah. So that's, I think, I, you know, I don't think that's been a problem at all in Verson. Uh, it's where you and you and Tony appears in, in, in Coriolis. And I'm just noticing in the latest sessions... Um, you 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 doing more of the talking, um, mm. but you know that's fine. We've had that conversation now. So I think I think there's a there is a slight there's a slight thing there in the game when we're sat down playing it on a Monday. A lot of the conversation that we have is kind of in character, mm -hmm. and if we're having it in character, if Oshin has an idea that actually might be better being Tony's idea, I have to say it. Yeah. Um, whereas 
otherwise, it, I think around the table, it's easier for me as Dave to say to Tony, why don't you say this? <laughs> this is a really good idea. What do you think? Why don't you say that? Um, and then Yakub has the idea, in effect, in the actual game. So yeah, no, some, you know, that's a really interesting, that, that opens up a whole other debate, uh, uh, which, which I think we all, because I think our style of play around our table of people we've been playing with for years is entirely happy with that, you know, of other players suggesting to player yes. X, why doesn't your character B do this? And yeah. we've done that for bloody years. But I do wonder whether there are tables where they say, hold on, hold on. B is X's character. It's up to X to make the decision. You guys all shut the fuck up. And yeah. um, uh, and that may not be a thing that happens at other tables. I'll be interested. Maybe people would like to um, expound upon that in their feedback mm. to this episode. And I'm noticing this episode has gone on for an hour in terms of our recording time. Um, yeah. So, so I'm just... I, I'm going to make you an offer, Dave. What about in the next episode, you write a piece slagging me off? <laughs> That 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 would be a very long piece, and sadly, you're not going to be available for the next episode. And no, you, there's no. one chance and one chance only, and you're going to miss it. I'm sure I'll get another opportunity at some point in the future. No, I mean, I don't, and I don't feel I don't feel targeted or anything. Um, I think they're all they're all good points, and I think you know again like. The, the, the power gaming min-maxer you don't like is the person who goes, right, I want to be the toughest and I'm only going to do this, that and that simply because yeah. they want to be the toughest and they're not role-playing. Um, and also, I think it's a, it's a fair criticism of me that I can talk a lot. Um, yeah. And I, in games, I can, uh, you know, I, I can take the lead. And I, 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 I'm, I'm, I've recognised that for years, you know, for 30 years. And I mm. just need to make sure that my enthusiasm in any given game doesn't overwhelm my awareness of when I may or may not be doing that. And of course, make- I have the same problem, which is why out of our group, it's you and I that run a podcast and uh, the others are generally quieter, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I think that's true. I think that's 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 very true. We are the, the noisy, mouthy ones out of our group, whereas Tony and Andy are the... Other, the more other, reflective, other thought, thoughtful, <laughs> clever. Let's not make a tit of ourselves. Ones, <laughs> yeah. and that's always been the way. That has always <laughs> been the way. Uh, right, yeah. uh, actually, so you, as as we mentioned, you're not around next week um, or next episode in two weeks' next time because you're going yeah. for a long holiday. Well, I'm going for a tw- a twelve day holiday whilst my boys house sit and look after the dog, Excellent. which will be good. Nice. I'm, um, I'm glad you're getting away. And you're actually jetting off to foreign parts, which is um, yep. which is great well, in these times. Assuming, assuming you don't get a positive COVID test in the next week. Mm-hmm. Fingers uh, crossed. Fingers crossed. Yep. But yeah, so next time, um, sadly, I mean, I mean, everybody do listen, even though it'll only be Matthew. Um, so I think we're going to do an interview. Uh, and then, then Matthew will play that interview uh, out for the next episode. But... Still listen, guys, even though I'm not going to be on it. You know, I know it's not going to be the same, but, um, you know. I think we're going to get twice as many listeners because (laughs) all the people that have listened to one episode and rejected the show because of you are going to come flooding (laughs) back as soon as I do the publicity campaign for this. Possibly. Possibly. (laughs) We'll see. We will see. Right now, though, it's time to say goodbye. Indeed. So So it's it's, uh... goodbye from me. 
And it's goodbye from him. And may the icons bless your adventures. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Bye. Bye. You have been listening to The Effect Podcast, presented by Fiction Suit and the RPG Gods. Music, stars on a black sea, used with permission of Free League Publishing. <laughs>